G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their support and bringing you our live weekly Q&As. Today we are fortunate enough to be speaking with Bill Love from Cotway Kelby's and Bill will be thinking what he will be picking what he thinks um, the best question is and they will win a bag of Enduro Plus high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hi Bill, tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do. G'day, uh, Laura and Dan. Um, yeah, Bill Luff, 68 years old. I've been working on the farm, our farm. We own this farm. We've been here since 1836 on some of it. Um, we've slowly built it up over the years. And I've got two boys at home, both work at home. Um, yeah, we're in Ajambilly, which is plenty of, plenty of rain, 32-inch rainfall. It's pretty high country, about 500 metres. Run about 6,000 ewes and 600 cows, so we keep pretty busy. Yeah, it's pretty busy, mate. Where did your passion for livestock and dogs come from, mate? I left, school, left school quite young, and I was given a pup after I left school and um, fell madly in love with him, and we sort of grew together. He had quite a bit of natural work in him, and um, we used to do rabbiting as well, and he was just my mate for 10 years, I suppose, and I just... I started with him. That was my love for dogs. It came from him. Yeah, I just worked stock all my life. I've been on the land for 54 years, so I've been Beautiful. doing quite a bit of work. Was that first dog a Kelpie, mate, or was oh, it no, something else? I just got him from my uncle. And then as yep. I got going, a bloke called the name of Bruce Graham. Excuse me. You all right? <laughs> A bloke by the name of Bruce Graham bought a Kelby bitch um, from Jack Body down at Holbrook, and she was lit assisted to Glen Logie Lucky that Chris Stapleton had. Yeah. And I had one here with a little bit of eye, and he just at a creek crossing one day, he just showed a bit of eye and a bit of cover and footwork, and I sort of got a bit of a glimmer. And then I went up to see Brucey one one day and um, to look at his dogs and then I just, there was an old bloke with the name of John Elliott there and he was, he'd won the one Canberra three sheep a few times and I just fell in love with it there and then. He was just, he was at one end of the ground, the dog, the sheep were following him and the dog was with him. He was just drawing the sheep along and um, I just fell in love with it that minute and I've done it ever since. That was in 1987. Yeah, right. Yeah. Have, you, have you tried any other breeds or since? Oh, I've had the Kelpies when I was three sheeping, but I'd much prefer the Kelpies. There's, there are good collies, but yeah, I think the Kelpies more rounders and they suit me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why they? Why do they suit you better, mate? Oh, they're just a bit more robust. The, the collies were good, but they didn't bark. I like a bit of bark. Collies, you know, they probably they bite a bit. Um, just, I just, there's, there's some, I've had some no good Kelpies too, and I've had some fairly handy Collies, but I just, Kelpies just sort of suit me. Their natures, I just like their natures. Yeah. I don't dislike Collies, there's some beautiful yeah. Collies. But. 100%. But they just suit your particular, what you like, um, work and trial-wise. Yeah. More down to a T. Yeah, and they get on with the job, um, and I just like the way they work, and they're friendly. Got a pretty good. Oh, I did have my my pack isn't as good as it was, but I'm building again. It's yeah, to go again, I hope. We'll, yeah. we'll get onto that a bit later. I don't know. How do you use uh, dogs in your day to day life? 
Oh, every day, just about every day we're doing stock work. So we've got buggies now rather than horses or motorbikes. So we've got the buggies. I can fit three or four. I might take a pup, have him tied up most of the time. Just let him off once we get to the laneways. But um, just mustering, droving, drenchings, whatever. Drafting sheep. Don't use them much on cattle. Not on cows and calves. We use them on dry cattle, but very rarely we use dogs on cattle because we've got a lot of laneways here. But um, just about use them every day on sheep, every time. Yeah, and it makes life a lot easier. How to look without dogs? Oh, it'd be impossible. Like it's quite heavy yeah. here. And just couldn't do it. Yeah. Or you'd have a very fast motorbike. <laughs> no, you couldn't do it. I do all the mustering, like the boys do all the drenching and so forth. I just do all the mustering, keep the sheep up at shearing time especially. And landmarking, I just go out and muster and bring them up and take the other mob away, which works perfectly. It's good training for my dogs and <laughs> I don't have to do the hard work. <laughs> That's okay. So tell us a bit about your current team you've got there at the moment. Uh, yeah, well, I had a dog called Yellow Roy Toss. He was my old boss, Chris Stapleton's. And um, he wasn't a brilliant dog, but I think he, he's a pretty good sire. So I had him and an old bitch called Coopendale Floss. And every dog bar one that I've got, have all got Toss or Floss in them, or both. And it's, it's, they just suit me. Like, they're not brilliant. They're just good work dogs. And they're not brilliant trial dogs. They're just, I'd call them a good handy dog with a little bit of balance, a bit of cast, a bit of bark. Um, and they just seem to suit me. So I was just stuck with them. There are better dogs out there, but I don't know, that, that bloodline, both those bloodlines just seem to suit. And uh, oh, at the moment, I don't have any real champions, I don't suppose, but they're all handy. And were the dog, were Floss and Toss, were they similar kind of dogs uh, or they just complemented each other? Yeah, complemented each other. Toss was much better in the paddock. Floss wasn't that strong, but she... Um, She'd back a race all day, and a drenching race, drafting race all day. And clean, both were clean as whistles, didn't bite. But um, Floss had a really good nature. She was by Twisty of Chris Stableton's, Capri Twisty. Yep. Um, just a lovely old bitch and just a hard worker. She won Henty Field Days, but that was her only trial she ever won. But um, she was just a good, honest bitch. And Toss was, Toss was just a good... A good farm dog. He wasn't that good. Of, he didn't like trialling much, but he was a good farm dog and just a good sire. So sort of worked those two. And you mentioned before that um, your dogs probably aren't current dog team isn't as good as what you had. How has your team evolved? Like how's it changed? What was that? Well, I've probably gone. I, I had a bit of rough country years ago, and I used to have a lot better paddock dogs. But now I haven't got that rough a country. I don't really need that really nice paddock dog, but. I would love to have it back again, but um, and I'm trying to go breeding that way a bit, trying to breed a bit softer, more paddocky type. But then you go to a yard trial and you wish you didn't have them. So, um, <laughs> so my pack has changed. It's gone more yard type because I used to three, I three sheep for ten years, and um, in the finish, you know, you'd have them over five hundred shorn lambs. You couldn't keep them in a mob. So I ended up getting more and more, well, probably closer and tighter running dogs and. But uh, I'm, the pack I've got now would do more work than the ones I had when I was when I had softer paddock dogs. But um, I do miss having that really nice dog that looks out and goes, you know, for ages. But, 
but I don't have them anymore. Oh, they're all right, but I, because we're not on horses or, you know, you leave the buggy, put the dogs in the buggy and probably most of your casting's done on the buggy these days and then, then let the dogs go. So that's just what's happening, I suppose, with everyone. Are there any particular traits you'd like to put back into your lines? Yeah, I'd like to get more cast back in, more and look out. The dogs are getting a bit of tunnel vision now. They're probably getting stronger, which is handy when you're trialling, but just that tunnel vision, I'm, I'd prefer if they just had that. Like, I, I like cover and footwork and a bit of bark, but also I like, I like them to make, have all the mob, you know, make sure they, you know, like you send them in the paddock and if there's 20, 15 yards away that they get them too. Like they have a bit of vision and I've sort of lost that in the last 10 years a bit. Maybe it's to do with my country and the way I'm working them. And I, I probably haven't practiced the three sheep trial for 25 years. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm only practicing in yards. So I'm probably losing it a bit that way too. But um, I think, yeah, if I had more time, I'd probably three sheep a bit more and it might come back. So you actually like a dog try, trying to get that cast. You're trying to look for that naturally rather than train that. Is that? Oh, it um, must be, you can train it, but it must be natural. It's so much easier if it's natural. They, um, you know, they go a pear-shaped cast and they'll see one out to the left or right and just go and get it. It's, yeah. It was the ones that don't have it just run through. And you can train them all you like, unless it's natural. They, they won't do it properly. And do you think something that does that natural misses out somewhere else? Yeah, I, I've judged a few utility trials. One in, I judged over at Yagara, and I, the really good paddock dogs didn't quite have enough in the yards. There was only one there that probably did both properly. Yep. The really nice paddock dogs didn't have the grunt in the yards. That, but, you know, they were, but there, were, oh, there were a couple there that did, but generally the real good paddock dogs didn't. But they'd be very good three sheep dogs. I, I sort of got the conclusion that, you know, in a mob of, say, eight dogs, you need one that's got that real nice stuff and then the rest, because most of it's the hard, get it, once you get them in, it's the hard work. Yeah. Um, I, I'll never forget that. I remember that trial, mate, you judged, and I never, that was my first utility trial, and I won't forget the advice you gave me. It was, gee, she's a handy yard dog. Might want to work on her a bit outside first, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, she is a good dog. Actually, I've seen a pup out of her, this, or two pups out of her this morning, and they're going really well, especially one. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to leave her here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got one here, mate. Uh, another one here that's probably in the same boat, um, but he's maturing up well, so hopefully uh, he pulls his head in outside a bit more. Yeah. But um, he, uh, he's going to be a handy dog, handy enough anyways. Right Speaking of... How do you pick a pot for yourself and has that changed over the years? No, it probably hasn't changed. I just like one, probably the best head in the litter, biggest head, poof, like bigger jaws, mm -hmm. um, and just a nice nature. The one that's, yeah, coming, wants to be with you all the time. That's the, that's the main one I pick. And probably, I just, yeah, probably the bigger one. But it's very so, hard. So if you're giving advice to someone picking a pup, and they weren't exactly sure what they liked? First of all, I'd tell them to go and have a look at the parents or go to a trial somewhere and if before they're buying a pup, go and have a look at the parents, make sure that you'd like the parents. But um, it's very, like a, a six-week-old pup is nearly impossible. 
But you, yeah. there are shy ones in those, so you don't want to pick that shy one if you can help it. But um, you want them quite, you want the friendly one. But as they get older, like once they start working, straight away, you know, once you, you know, if you see a litter working, they're all together, you'll know which one's going to be wide, which one's going to be hard, close. It's just straight away. The first time they work, you can see that. And it very rarely changes for the rest of their life, I think. But sometimes their natures will let them down later on. Like I've had some really good pups that didn't quite make it as they got older because they couldn't handle the pressure or whatever. But just the natural ones, yeah, I like to see that real natural work. Yeah. So question here from Karen Higgins. How do you start a pup or young dog and how do you progress as the dog gets older and matures? What signs are you looking for? Yeah, well, I start them off in the yards. I just put, I have a few quiet old sheep, like crippled type sheep that can't run very fast and put the pup on them. Um, and straight away, once the pup starts working, you just look for a bit of balance and a bit of eye and, you know, and then start doing a bit of circle work with it. So it'll do the 360 and get, they must get to the head. Pups must head properly, get around and then be on the point of balance at the opposite side to you. Um, it's just a work in progress. Three minutes once a week's enough for a pup, but you know, always have him with you, take him down for a buggy ride or whatever, take him for a run, but three minutes once a week's enough for a pup up to six months of age. And then when, as they get a bit older, you put a sit on them and teach them to come off stock. Um, but it's just so slow. But years ago, I had them nearly fully broken in at 12 months, but I don't even think about that anymore. I don't even take them to work now to let 12, 14 months old. Um, and I find the dog, the dogs, you don't blow near as many up if you can take your time with them. Yeah. Do, you, do you think you've slowed up on breaking dogs in purely for your experience and maturing? Yeah, oh, I was always in a hurry. Like everyone, as they get a dog, and you know, say for yard dog, if he, go, if he starts backing, all you're trying to do is teach him to back. Um, but if you've got enough around you, you can just leave that one and don't put any pressure on it until they get a bit older. And it's made a big difference. I mightn't start trialling a dog till he's 18 months old, or nearly two. But they need six months' work, I think, before they even trial. It's, but yeah. that's, a, that's okay to say if you can do that. But if you can't do that, it's a bit hard. But I can do it here. And um, just slowly bring them along. Dogs I would have got rid of years ago are now keeping that extra six months and they're turning into it. I think they'll be better dogs for it. Well, I hope they are anyway. There you go. There's a question in that, I suppose. Um, obviously, we have a lot of um, trialers that don't have access to work every day. Um, and that six months that you talk about um, to look, like get them, take them to work and, you know, working them down a bit, if you weren't working them down for our, our trialers out there, how would you go about getting those dogs to a, yeah, get into them to a level where you can trial them? Well, I think the main thing, if you didn't have any work, is have a softer natured type dog. Don't have that real busy dog, a calmer type dog that um, yeah, doesn't need work. Like a dog really shouldn't need to be worked down to go to a trial. It, it does. They do work better. I know after shearing or whatever, if I go trialling the week after shearing, my dogs are a lot better. But I think, yeah, just have to go for a bit of a calmer breed, I think, more calm. Um, that or getting, I might have to. I might have to start chasing around some shearing trailers. Yeah, well, 
You need, to, you need to get on the hand piece yourself and calm down. Miss me that. You go, you go pretty hard. And the dogs do too. But I, yeah, I don't know how. I know there are a lot of hobby farmers that trial these days. It must be quite hard. I just don't know how they do it. Because they dogs get sick of practicing or get sick of ten sheep all the time. They yeah. need a lot of work and having to think, crossing creeks and gateways, and it's so much easier. Well, it's better for the dog. But yeah, it, it must be very hard to have to trial kelpies that are you know, tied up a lot of the time and not doing just doing those ten sheep day in day out. Must get a bit boring for the dog. I think not just not just the dog sometimes, mate. No, that's right. I'm sure everyone would love to do what I do. Um, yeah, just lucky, I suppose. That, that's awesome. I've got a question here from Vince McCurry. Um, have you noticed a change in dogs over the last 30 years? And what has changed? And do you believe it's for the better? Yeah, I think dogs are getting better. Um, well, yard trialling, I started through sheeping, and the Kelpies those days were sort of a softer, wider dog. But as yard trialling came in, yeah, I don't know, back in the, uh, when Chris Stapleton, Michael Johnson, Robert Cox, Steve Condell, when those fellas were all in their prime, Richard Putty came, it's nearly impossible to win a trial. Like, they turn up with six or eight really good dogs. Oh, Larry Wallace, there's a heap of them. Like you'd turn up and there'd be 15 really good handlers. Uh, I just don't know whether, like their dogs would be still very competitive today. So I don't know whether the dogs are getting any better, but the hand, there's certainly a lot more handlers now could win a trial uh, than there were those days. But um, yeah, I don't know, dogs are any different. Like the real standout dog is not there anymore, like the Basils or the Pats or the Bosses, or I don't know, they just, it's been a long time since the dog's just taken and won. Oh, Abba of Kevin House is probably the last one three or four years ago, just coming out and win trial after trial after trial. So, um, but uh, there's still some really good dogs out there, good young dogs getting around. It's, you know, find out when you're judging when you see the good dogs. Um, yeah. Don't necessarily win the trial, but there's some really good dogs still getting around for sure. And I think you touched on a few things there, like um, obviously the consistency in, in dogs, but handlers as well. Like you just don't know what handler is going to win. And one point is, the difference between a final and not a final and yeah. you know that hand that handler can steal that point from the dog rather than a dog steal it from the handler these days oh the, yeah when, if you're judging a novice trial most handlers lose 10 points it's um until they get going a bit but uh, the open trial yeah the handler is massive what those better handlers they don't like i remember judging justin tombs over at canberra a couple of years ago in the wet some of the stuff he did was magic like he was five or six points above everyone else just in his handling, what he did a couple of times. Yep. And there's a, like Joe Spicer's the same, you judge Joe Spicer. He just doesn't lose points. Like, um, I suppose it's stockmanship. I don't know what it is, but they've got it worked out, I don't know. But whether they should do trials, you can't teach stockmanship, you can learn it, but like, it's a massive thing when you're trialling, stockmanship. And I think it comes from experience of working and and trialing. Yeah. What what do you why do you think the stockmanship's getting getting better? What what do you think's bringing that? Oh, on? I don't know whether it's getting better. It's always been there. Oh, oh sorry, more widespread within trialing, like. Oh, oh, 
you think it's trialling itself or just well, people looking at working really, stock differently? There's a lot of young fellas are trialling that are now managing farms or they've, they've left ag college and they come home and get a dog and, and like young managers around farms. There's more young farmers trialling these days, I think, or younger like people in their 20s and 30s. Um, and yeah, they're getting well-bred dogs and, and going from there, but it does help to have a lot of work. But, and you just keep turning over the ones that don't suit, get rid of them. There's always, they'll usually suit someone. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, I don't know. There are a lot more handlers. I think there's a lot more trialers like years ago. You'd only, you'd go to a trial, there'd be 30 dogs, be a big trial. These days yeah. is 130 and it's going to be a novice <laughs> yeah. if she was 130 dogs. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about uh, Floss and Toss. Do you believe they were your most influential dogs to get you where you were, are today? Yeah, I think Toss was more so than Floss. Um, he had quite a few bitches and a lot of his pups work well. Yeah. He probably wasn't the best dog I've ever had, but he, he just bred well, which is, uh, he was out of pretty good, like pretty good parents. His, his father was boss of Stapleton's and his mother was by signature of Richard Puddycombs, who was by chance. So look, really good old time breeding. And uh, I wish I had kept some semen from him actually, but I didn't get around to it. It wasn't done as much those days. But if I had him these days as a young dog, I'd get some semen out of him for sure. Because a lot of the bitches these days, it'd suit. You know, there's more trialy type bitches these days. Those strong, quieter type dogs, he'd probably suit them as a sire, I would say. Why do you think he'd suit those particular bitches? Oh, just he was a big flat-footed bloke. Like, he he didn't have a real lot of cover. I don't know. He just seemed to... Jake now and brought a watch bitch here four times and um, she was a quite a strong, good looking, strong bitch. And uh, they, they, every one of those litters, they all work differently, but they were all good. Everyone was good and she was really strong. But, uh, it was just a good mating. And I just think that was the sort of bitch he needed because he was a fairly, he didn't have a lot of grip, um, but he was a nice casting dog, plenty of bark. He just got on with the job. He was just a, Good all around. He was a good farm dog rather than a good trial dog. So he needed that more intense type bitch, I think, to join to. Um, yeah, most so that goes. Are, yeah, go on, sorry. Sorry, mate, I was just saying that goes back to what you were saying before with, um, you know, um, complementing each other rather than like for like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can go like for like, I think, but I, every dog has faults. So yeah. I just. To try and cover those faults, you get a dog that hasn't got the same fault. Like yeah. you, if you need cast, you go to a casting dog. You need grunt, you go to a, a dog with more backing or barking or or strength. Yeah, you can't breed weak to weak or even strong to strong. Sometimes doesn't work. Depends. Yeah. yeah. And, and that puppy you were about to talk about, or younger dog, or I've rudely cut you off. Oh, you were just about to talk about a younger dog. Um, I but dog, I couldn't help I myself. A dog called Wonder, Coogee Wonder. Yeah. He was boss. Um, he's probably the best trial dog I've ever had. He didn't get a lot of bitches. He was probably too pretty for most people, but well, he won Henty three times. He um, he got in the top top 20 at Henty three times 
in the three sheep and he'd never seen an obstacle. He was just a natural trial dog. He wasn't that good a farm dog, but I think he only had about six bitches, but like Boko Wonder of Matty Sherwood's is buying. Um, I just wish he had had more, more bitches, but I couldn't use him because he was too close to all mine. But he didn't have a real lot of presence, but he had plenty of cover and footwork. And But anyway, that's, he was a toss by toss out of that watch picture, Jake Nowlands. Yeah. But he's probably my best trial dog that I've ever had. He probably will ever get. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not, but anyway. <laughs> um, what is one of the main things you see handlers struggle with? I think stock work and getting their dogs broken in properly. If they're making mistakes when they're training, like, you know, letting the dog cross or not being in the... If the handler is in the right position, the, the dog learns so much quicker. Um, that's why schools are good, because the person has to know where to be when they're breaking a dog in. If they're in the wrong position, the pup might cross or cut a sheep off or something, only because it's the handler's fault. So the, it, it all comes back to stockmanship, I suppose. But um, yeah, just being in the right position when you're breaking them in makes a big difference. And you can see straight away, people come here and they're out of position and the dog pup might cross three times in the first minute. Well, he's not learning anything from doing that. So you're trying to teach the person rather than teaching the dog. Speaking of, mate, I've got a pretty in-depth question here from uh, Marie McKillop. Um, I attended one of your training weekends and introduction to yard trialling um, with Neil Taylor, Pete Darmody and yourself held at West Wyalong for beginners only and took so much away and found it an awesome foundation for starting out training and trialling. So we're going to break it down into three questions. Um, why did you guys do that weekend, uh, a few of those weekends? What inspired it? Oh, Peter just rang up one day and it was going to be a judging day more than anything, but there weren't many people turned up. But, oh, yeah, that was enjoyable. We, um, Peter just rang up, so Neil and I went over and helped him out. And there's, you see some very good young dogs, like a lot of them are purebred, but the handlers don't know much. So, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed actually just teaching new chums. Probably only one in 10 will ever trial, and one in 10 will ever do any good out of it. But if they get benefit out of it, it's, only, it's all good for the industry. But, um, but it's amazing how much people don't know when, when, you know, if they haven't done much stock work and just where to be. I'm glad. Was that Mary? She's a saint, isn't she, Mary McKillop? <laughs> uh, I, I call her Mary McKillop. Uh, it, is, it is Marie, but I'll call her Mary. <laughs> yeah. um, so she's asked, are there plans to do more of them in different locations around New South Wales? Oh, I'm sure there are. There's, it's quite a big, like Peter Darmody is a legend, what he's done for the industry with his schools. And like he, he did... Um, Oh, one of the high schools out there, he got all the year 10 boys to get a dog each at the start of the year and he started them all going and that was part of their agricultural course That's for the year. And yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a very good thing. It just takes, you just want a keen, keen young committee to do it and it's, it's bloody, it's very good. Like there's a lot of kids come home from school or they go through ag college and they're all keen. There's, there's a quite a pack around here now, six or eight young fellas around here that come out here quite often. And um, I've got a little yard set up every now and again. I set up a little yard trial and we just run them through a yard trial, teach, show them what you have to do in a yard trial and where you're losing points and not. And they're sort of astounded by it. 
I don't, I don't think I'm teaching them much, but apparently they're learning quite a bit. Because yeah, stop, 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 um, stop, stop teaching those guys, mate. We we don't need any more competition. <laughs> no, I think, I think, um, I think, I think um, this group that's around here now, there's about four boys. I reckon they'll all try in the next couple of years, whether they stick at it or not. I don't know. They're all single young fellas, but um, <laughs> but their, their dogs are going quite well, and they're learning. They're learning a lot. That's awesome, mate. And I'm, I'm sure they're learning more about than just training dogs as well, mate. Um, don't don't ride yourself short there either. Probably learning a few life skills. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope they are. Yeah. They've been to um, schools. They, they, they had a couple. Oh, I think Paul, Paul McFarles, they've been to a couple. Of, they've just yep. invited Paul up for the weekend. And he teaches them all the dog skills like that. Um, yeah, anyway, the more schools they can go to, the better, because everyone teaches differently and everyone has different ideas. But as long 100%. as they can pick up one or two things from a school, it's a bloody great thing to learn. I wish I had them when I was coming along, learning. I think you touched on the third question, part of her question as well, is do you think they were successful and have you seen an improvement in handling ability? Yeah, they're definitely. One of the most, a few years ago, Peter Darmody, Got Steve Condell to run a a trial a, a trial for learners um, for the weekend at his place, and um, quite a Steve's quite an intense coach and talks a lot and but they learn a lot. But can't retain everything because he can talk faster than you, Dan. <laughs> That's he, true. He, <laughs> Chris Bellas, oh, there's four or five people come out of that school that went straight into very competitive like from they were beginners or encouraged workers to actually really good novice workers within a matter of weeks they had the dogs but they just didn't have the ability of where to, you know where to be when you're trialing and you know not moving when you got a gate open and so that was a really good thing just for beginner trialers because they do, people don't know where they're losing their points they don't know you know they'll go out in the trial ground and not much is said and that's why I encourage there aren't so many encouraged trials these days, which is a shame because that's where you learn that sort of stuff. Encouraged yeah. trials are just a school for basic, or even a, a school for novice handlers where they're losing their points. A lot of people don't know where they still don't know where they're losing their points. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's actually a bit I was gonna I was gonna touch on after um, Mary's question. Then was uh, I actually. I attended that, as you know, for the judging side of that, and I took a heap away from that. So I'd actually like to yeah. see more of those, and I know a few of my mates were there. Um, and the feedback I got from those encouraged handlers that had trialed that was they took a heap away from you guys helping us or teaching us how to judge, to be honest. You know, yeah. like they had no idea where they were losing points. And, yeah, I would actually like to see more of those myself. And, and I know COVID's been a bit hard as well. Um, obviously, it's impacted everyone, but moving forward, that's something I'd like to see more of. And where do you think we could do more of them, but also for beginners? But how about before, you know, for those novice judges stepping up into open to give a bit more experience? Do you think we could do a bit more training, so to speak, between those gaps? Well, I think that was the idea of Peter's Day, that to have, yeah, just... I know everyone judges differently and like Neil Taylor was taking 
points off. Well, just on this, uh, how we did the day, someone would just do a section and then we'd stop and say, how many points did you take? How many points did you take? And we had other people judging there. And so everyone was judging and why and why you took points and why you didn't take points. It probably would have been better if we had it on video as well. But um, yeah, they are very good. But there weren't enough people turned up for the judging side of things, I didn't think. Because we are short of judges. Like it's very hard to, especially open judges, but you still have to be able to, you know, an open judge actually runs the trial. And if you get a judge, it's a little bit, no, a bit weird. Not that you shouldn't care what the judge, you just take your score on the chin and go home. But um, yeah, it was a really good day that day at Peter's. Um, we do need a few more. And just, well, if you had a, say, a novice, novice handler dog school and then have someone there with a video camera showing them where they lose their points and that's how you learn to judge 100 knowing where you lose your points so you go when you go out to trial you're out there to take lose as least amount of points as you possibly can and the more experience you get you you, you know sometimes you're covering for your dog you might you know he's going to bite so you don't let him all, all those different things there's that many little little things you can do to save points at a trial. The good handlers seem to be able to do it. Do you believe judging makes you a better handler? I'm sure it does. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The, I, I encourage a real lot of, as many people as I can to take up judging. Once they get a bit of an idea, take up judging. What you see is more, you see what the good fellas do, but you see what the people that aren't as good, where they lose points, and that's probably when you're judging you, you they they're losing points and when you're judging you see it more than if you just watch it and um before the before it happens you know it's going to happen so and then you then you trial someone with a good dog and a good handler you think oh you know it's easy as that it's, but yeah, everyone should try judging it's once well i still think you need to you can't just go and be a judge without having a bit of experience yeah, 100%. Yeah, but I just, there's plenty of people out there that don't judge that probably should, because there aren't many judges around New South Wales these days. And, but um, but it's, a, it's a good thing to do. I quite enjoy judging. You give up a lot of time um, and dedicate yourself to judging and being so active in the New South Wales Yard Dog Association. What inspires you to do that? No, I just like helping people. <laughs> um, yeah, I just get a bit of a thrill out of it, actually. You know, someone will come and thank you. Or two or three years' time, that same person that was a beginner when you started is winning it, wins a novice or something like that. It's, I just get a thrill out of that. But well, even Dan, you know, Dan's improved out of sight. Um, you know, we run the Gundy Guy show every year. It's only a very small committee, but people come back year after year. And, you know, all of a sudden, they're quite competitive and the way they go. Um, yeah, I really enjoy helping people. And we mentioned before that you started trialling, I think it was in 1987. Um, why did you start trialling there and what changes have you seen um, besides, oh, I suppose we touched on stock handling ability, but is there anything else in in terms of course setups or anything that have changed? Well, I three sheeped until two, oh, about 1999, I three sheeped and then went yard trialling. 
original yard trials, there was no car. It was only one small pen. The biggest pen was probably four metres square. So yeah. we just went from pen to pen. There was a drench and a draft, no truck. But these days you'll need a much better dog outside because of the big yards. You know, you get to a gateway and you used to be able to help if, if you got a jam and a draft, you'd just, you'd leave the gate and go and grab that sheep. You'd only lose two points. So the dog these days has to be a much more aggressive and better dog. It was, the rules were like, it didn't start till, I don't know when it started, 85 or something, but it's certainly a lot better sport these days. You need a better dog. You need a better all-rounder. Like, you know, you go to a big trial, say Canberra with that big cast, they're good fun. Like, you need a bit of everything. If you can win a, do a yard trial like Canberra, you've got a really good dog. Years ago, you might have, you could win a trial with a, a more yardy type dog, because these days you need a nearly a utility dog to win it. The bigger trials. Yep. Hundred percent. And I think it changes a lot of the dogs or what people are looking for in a dog as well. Not just in a trial, but for home and and whatnot. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying there. Yeah, they got more. They've got more cast. Not that it's a real big cast, but they, unless they can cast, they can't. They can't get them in even in, in a big trial. Um, yeah, they've got cover at a gateway, they've got push, they run a fence, they'll back, they'll top knot. Yeah, they're pretty, there's some pretty good dogs around. Especially if you like, go up the Monero, there's big tough sheep up there. Mm. You need everything up there. They're hard going up there. Yeah. Do you have a favourite trial to participate in or would like to go to? Oh, I've got to go show, it has to be up there. I really enjoyed going to Guy this year, especially yeah. with the three shot. Yeah, well, it was good. I, I actually really enjoyed having the. Sorry? I think you were on cloud nine when you left last year. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, had, had a pretty good day. I, uh, I used to enjoy the Naranda three sheep probably more than any. And then, oh, there's a, West Wallen's always good because you can have run with maiden dogs, novice dogs. And Druva dogs, open dogs. Um, oh, some cameras are very good. Trial. There's a, oh, there are the Monero. They're all good. I, I enjoy it. It's just if I'm if I'm not there, I'm working. So I love going to trials. But, um, what, why? What 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 do you like about going to trials? I don't know what it is. I, I've got a bit of competitive streak in me, I suppose. <laughs> I used to play quite a bit of sport when I was younger, but I just enjoy the. The friends you meet, and I, I like going to the big trials. I, I'd rather go to a big trial than a little show trial. Um, but there aren't many little trials these days either. You know, most trials, years ago, you'd go to a trial, there'd be only, say, 15 in the novice, 15 in the open. But I just enjoy people's friend friendship and a bit of a yarn and tell a few stories. <laughs> but, um, Never. They're not very competitive. Like, you wish everyone all the best, but... When you go out there, you want to win. There's no, there's no reason. You, there's only one reason you go out there, is to be competitive. Yeah. Uh, but if you, there's too many people these days are a bit harsh on how people judge and so forth. An old bloke said to me once, "Get your score. No, take your dog back to your ute. Go back and get your score and go and sit down. Like, don't even think about what you scored. So these days it's a little bit competitive that way. You just, just take it on the chin, like it's. It's only a sport, so well, just some people these days are a little bit too competitive, for my thinking. Yep. 
or, or just what, want to win at all costs, which is a shame, really. What do you think your um, best achievement so far would be? Trialling. Or in life, up to you. Let's stick with trialling. I suppose we're, <laughs> we're in a theme here. Yeah, oh, I'd say by winning handy three times. Oh, I won the Randers Resheep twice, which is like there's some pretty good handles there with Kelpies. And then I um, I won the National Kelpie Trial in 1990 over in South Australia. And then I won handy three times with that one dog, Wonder. He's the only dog that no dog's even won it twice. So he won it three times. They're probably my picks of the what I've done. Yeah, that's in the trial game anyway. Good resume to have, mate. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Oh, and I, I, I suppose. I've judged New South Wales twice. I've judged the, judged the Victorian. That was good. What, what do you prefer to judge, a, a three-sheep yard or a utility trial? Oh, utility trials are good. No, probably yard. Probably yard. Um, just the others are too slow. Like, that's why I go to three-sheeping. If you're there for five days, with only, you're only probably four, three or four runs. If you have two, two rings at a yard trial, you can have eight or ten runs in a day. Have a final and go home, you know, in one day. Yeah. And that's what I enjoy. I just, I'm just too busy to be away for five or six days doing one trial a day. I couldn't stand that anymore. But um, that's why I enjoy yard trying so much. Question here from Ollie Hansen. What is the best advice you have received regarding training dogs? Take your time, I think. Uh, yeah, don't persevere with one that you don't like. You can't teach a dog you don't like. So, if, but if you if you've got two or three coming on at once, you'll always take the good one is the one you should keep. Get rid of the other two because you'll never like them as much as the one the one you like. Um, but if they don't suit, get rid of them early because you'll whether you give them away or don't try and take them through to sell them. If you don't like them, no one else probably will anyway. I don't know. There's always somewhere you can go with a hobby farm or they'll usually do something for someone, but um, yeah, the main thing is make sure you like that pup. And then you can, you, it's enjoyable to work them then. You can have two or three at once if you like a lot of them, that's all right. But if you don't like them, sometimes they'll come better when they get older, but it's very hard to train a dog that you don't get on with. Yeah. Earlier on, you mentioned um, a heap of names, so, you know, of, of people that have been in in and around trolling. Is there anyone particular particular that inspired you, or you know, that drove you to to go as hard as you could, or try and change your mindset at all over certain things? Well, I mentioned John Elliott before. John was an old three sheep from Gundagai. He won the Queen's Jubilee, which was a three sheep trolling camera in front of the Queen Elizabeth, and then he won the big one at Hall a couple of times. His brother Tony's still trialling, but Johnny was a lot older than Tony. He probably taught me more than anything. And then Toby Lindsay, I used to pencil, in those days they didn't have clickers, they used to just write the scores down. And I used to pencil yeah. for Toby Lindsay when he was three sheeping, like if you didn't have any dogs in the open, you could, and I penciled, I used to pencil for six or eight hours a day with, for Toby. Um, and Toby's a really good three sheep trialer and judge. So probably from those two blokes, I learned more about stockmanship and oh, just, just yeah, just where to be and, and where you lose points. It's just three sheeping. 
But as far as yard trolling, I, I don't know. I've just sort of picked it up along the way, I suppose. And, but there's some bloody good handlers out there. You just see some people do things and you think, good God, that, you know, it's just magic stuff. Yeah. Is there a message you'd like to get out into the livestock industry or the working dog community? Oh, yeah, just look after your dogs, look after your stock. Sheep drive you mad every now and again, but and sometimes if the sheep are playing up, you take it out on your dog. But, um, now my two boys both work at home and they get a bit frustrated. They haven't been as long as I have and they get frustrated with the sheep and probably rousing the dogs a bit too much. Um, but the main thing is just take your time with your dogs. It's, you can't be hard on them. They still have to respect you, but you can't be hard on them. Greg Prince said to me once, you can't make a dog do anything. You have to be able to teach it, but they have to be teachable. Like the, you can't teach them if it's not in them naturally, but you know, the real hard handlers, they don't persist. Like they're too hard on their dogs and the dogs blow up eventually. So probably teach them rather than, well, you can't make them. They just, they might do it once or twice, but eventually they'll bail out. Uh, so you just, yeah, you just have to take your dog along slowly. And if they've got it in them, they'll get better and better. And they get to 14, 18 months of age and away they go. Then you've got them for life then. Away from dogs, mate, do you have a hobby or a hidden talent that people wouldn't know about? No, I've got a couple of boys that play football. I'm actually vice president of the Gundy Guy Tigers Rugby League. <laughs> there you go. Give them a plug, mate. One son, uh, one son in particular, uh, he was at West Tigers for a couple of years. And he's quite a good footballer. So I follow the Gunny Guy Tigers religiously all winter. So, uh, and, and Will, my other son, Will, he's, he's a very good footballer too. So I love that. I'd rather do it than dog trial, actually, watching my boys play footy. Jeez, imagine how they would progress as Parramatta Juniors then. I don't know. Um, I don't know how they're going to. Yeah, Mitch, James played with Mitch Moses quite a bit and, yep. um, when he was younger, and James Tedesco and those boys. But, um, Look where they are now, mate. Like, so it must be half decent if you're playing with those boys. I love rugby league. For anyone in Victoria watching, I've got a thing about Australian rules. The material made out of their shorts, made their shorts are made out of, must be the best in the world because they get them when they're seven and they still wear them when Whatever that material is, you make your shorts out of, get on it. <laughs> Maybe we could get into making dog coats or something for them well, <laughs> out of that material, mate. <laughs> That's for Reno Connell, that one. <laughs> uh, what would you like to see on the Dog Talk website or what can we do to service our listeners and community? Oh, I think this, look, I'm pretty illiterate as far as any, I can't even send a text on a phone, so I'd rather be out working a dog, but... Um, no, this is good what you two are doing. It's, it's just the, get the word out there, get more people interested. You know, there's that many people that love farming and working and there's that many farmers that, you know, I would get a phone call once or twice every week. I've had one dog for years and he's just died and I've got Sherry next week. So they, they just need to get out there and get more skills and get more dogs and, yeah. Well, I don't know how some farmers get their work done. I really don't. With um, so everything that's done, as far like you're you're doing now, and there's other things. I think putting trials on on the computer, it's all good. 
No, thanks, mate. And we have got things coming up that we're working on at the moment as well. So hopefully, um, you know, it's our viewers and our, the community in general just, just find it more beneficial and we're always open to ideas as well. So yeah. keep them flowing in. Mate, if there's one person you'd like to see sit down and uh, have a chat to, I'm pretty sure I already know who you're going to say, but who would it be? Yeah, I'd like to talk to Steve Condell. He'd be good to talk to. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Larry Wallace was, yeah, good. But Chris Stableton, have you done Chris Stableton? Chris will be on uh, before the end of the year. He's just been a bit busy because of his sale. Yeah, Matty Sherwood, like this. Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Steve's not in the game anymore, but he, he was, he was, Steve's really switched on. Like Wagga do a very good school, the Wagga Club. I've mm -hmm. helped twice now. They've done three schools. And they have a beginner section, a yard section, and a paddock section. And it's anyone that's looking to go to a good school, that's that's probably the best school I've seen. Um, and they have two days. I don't know how much it costs, but um, they probably learn more at that school than I've seen than, yeah, at any school. It's just the Wagga Yard Dog Club run it. And um, so I, I did the paddock section. And they've got a, a camp draft arena that they use for the paddock and then they, Matty Whitley or I think Dean Inch has done one, Jeff McDougall's done one, the yards and Steve Condell does the, the beginners. Yep. I'd say you'd, yeah, you'd get more out of that school than, than um, any school I've ever seen because there's three coaches all going flat out all together. No. Awesome. Um, so it's that time where you have to pick the best question um, from one of our people that sent one in uh, for their chance to win the bag of Enduro Plus working dog food. Oh, God. Yeah, we'll go to Mary McKillop because she's a son. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time she actually hasn't sat around um, while we're having an interview, so she'll be ecstatic to hear that. Um, <laughs> that's good. Now, I'm sure you've heard about Laura's question, but just before we get there, um, you're probably not aware um, there, Bill, but... We started um, a fundraiser um, for the beginning of this month um, with the Black Dog Foundation, uh, One Step Forward. Yep, mm -hmm. that's what it's called, yeah. And we actually have tripled, well, more than tripled what we planned on raising, say, our target. So I just wanted to thank, we had a whole heap of donations from our working dog community. Um, every, every penny counts. And some people were extremely generous. Mm -hmm. And even the team members that got on board and walked, I think I've got another seven Ks to finish by tomorrow, so I'll get to my goal because that's that competitive streak in me. But I'd really like to thank everyone, not only the team members that got on board, um, but everyone that got on board with and spoke with their, their wallets. And also, even the people that didn't, I know people are extremely busy, but those guys that just talk about, you know, mental health and getting it out there and just having a chat with your mate. Like, it's probably sometimes people need it more than what you realise, so... Thank you for everyone out there that got on board with that. So, no, no, no worries. So it's that time, mate. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 40 horses the size of duck? 40 horses. 40. Well, double the fear. <laughs> uh, you like, a, you like a, you're competitive, mate, so you like a challenge. I'd pluck the duck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I'd rather fight the duck. Why, why the duck, mate? Why the one duck? Oh, bugger the minor. It's a strange <laughs> question. 
Yeah, I'll think about it and get back to you. <laughs> no worries. It's a good way to throw a few people, isn't it? We also we also just wanted to thank Nathan Cave um, for today as well for setting Bill up with the computer and taking the time out of his day to give us all the Q and A. So thanks, Nathan. Yeah, and thanks, Nathan. Appreciate that, mate. Thanks. Nathan set all this up, but I've seen some pups here today that look out in eighteen months' time. <laughs> anyone can beat anyone can beat him in an office. They'll have to be good. He's got some really good pups about him. Don't worry, mate. There's one in the back of my truck, just on the other side of that window. Actually, I didn't bring him. I brought the wrong car today. Um, and uh, um, Nathan, hopefully, he's got. Oh, I think he's gonna put some time in the my dog for me as well. Get some of those real miles under him. And um, yeah, yeah right. no, that um, that sire is using there, mate. I, I think he's a pretty handy dog, and he's been consistent over a few different bitches now. So Nathan's onto yeah. something. Yeah, well, he's got toss in him. Wonder was his that wonder of mine was his grandfather. Yep. Yeah, but uh, no, he yeah. works very similar to Wonder, that copper. He's a good young dog. He is, mate. Mate, and well, I suppose while we're um, going to close up here, please remember we learn every day, and the day we stop learning will be a sad day for all of us. Thank you very much for your time, Bill. Thank you. Good on you. Thanks very much. That was good pleasure. Thanks, mate. <laughs>